Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Made on Purpose. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in and welcome to this episode of Made on Purpose. I am super excited today to have Chris Lindbergh from Deadwood, Alberta, um, joining me on the podcast. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? It's good to be here. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. So, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us who you are and uh, what you're doing now, and we'll just kind of go from there. Sure. Yeah, so I'm up in Deadwood, Alberta. I'm a farmer, and I'm a third-generation farmer. <clears throat> and I married my wife, Sherry, and we have four four kids. They're not really kids anymore. They're growing up. And, uh, you know... I kind of, um, I'm sure we'll go into it a little bit, but part of what locked me in on the farm is I knew that God had called me as a child and uh, I was trying to build up my farm, even though my father was a farmer. I very much tried to build up the farm so God would leave me alone because even as a child, he was tugging on my heart. And I thought, certainly if my farm is big enough, God will leave me alone and uh, I could just be farmer and... Uh, kind of like hides from the world so that that's pretty funny I remember as a kid we had uh, some family devotions and my dad had said um does any one of you has the Lord spoken to any of you during our prayer time and I I looked up and I said yep I'm gonna be a missionary in China one day and uh, I was all excited about this but then of course I was young I think I was about eight years old and my cousins, my friends for years would tease me, oh, you're going to live in a little straw hut. Oh, you know, you're going to move away and never come back. And so then I decided I don't want anything to do with this. And um, But that seed was still planted in my heart. And when I was 13 years old, 14 years old, this I was in Brooks, Alberta, like little, little nothing place in the world. And a new youth pastor came and he started a, a missions trip to China. And so um, I was reminded of the word that the Lord had given to me and we went, but it's just funny to hear like, got to put something on your heart as a child. And then you're like, oh, no, no, I just want to live my life. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to cost me. And so, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So, um, so you're a farmer, you're a third generation farmer, you have four kids. I saw your last child, um, child, your last young adult has graduated. From high school, and yeah. our our older daughter, she just graduated from registered nursing. So okay. we had a couple of graduations uh, this this spring. Mm -hmm. When I was like, uh, I knew I was a kid. You said you were eight. Yeah, I was something like that, maybe ten. I don't remember the age. I was at a Bible camp that's near us, and I think that week the they were talking about William Carey, a missionary in India. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was that. That's trying to remember exactly. But in that time frame, um, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't a camp that they were prophesying over people or anything like that. But God just put it in my heart so deeply. When you grow up, you're going to be a missionary. Mm. And so I remember in the back seat of I should remember the car, but you know the four door cars, and before uh, seat belts. And uh, I was laying in the back seat of the car coming home from Bible camp. Um, it's only a half an hour drive, but laying in the back seat. And I knew it was like God was prompting me, not even understanding his spirit. Mm -hmm. And I sat up and I told my parents, when I grow up, I'm going to be a missionary. And mm -hmm. I just, for some reason, I felt like I had to declare that. Mm -hmm. Now, my parents kind of heard that, but I think they quickly forgot. But somehow I had to voice it. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. then I went into a long period of trying to, maybe not right away, but trying to run from that because right. I certainly never felt qualified. Mm -hmm. um, I struggled in school. Spelling, asked my wife today, spelling is not my strong suit. Yeah. And I thought I would have to go to a traditional Bible school, writing essays, and I just thought i i just can't do this yeah. and um, and also public speaking anything mm -hmm. public speaking I, I just couldn't imagine myself ever standing in front of people yeah and so 
there's a few reasons. I just kind of tried to hide myself in the farm and work. And, you know, we worked really hard. And when I was in my 20s and 30s, um, you know, different jobs in the farm. And I just tried to bury myself in work. Still involved in the church, but really more as a duty and an obligation versus a, a, a real love and a passion. Yeah. So then when did the switch come for you? Like when did, when did it become a, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to move forward. The heart change. Yeah. So that is a very vivid moment in my life. And it was in the fall about 12 years ago. I think I was about 39 and, um, you know, everyone's seen our life as our family as a perfect family model. And I wasn't very involved in the local church that I was in. But yeah, I was actually running from God very, because I didn't understand him and he just felt distant and foreign. We had a South African um, minister come into the church and here he called me out in front of the church in a small town of Manning in our little town. And he said, there's a man that loves God and I'll never forget that moment. But right. in my heart, you know, I, I had my personal struggles and when you're, when you're not submitting to God, you're going to struggle in your life. You're, you're, mm -hmm. There's going to be sin in your life that you just, you're just kind of living in a veil. And, and uh, yeah. I just thought, no, this man is wrong. I don't love God. If I loved God, I wouldn't be trying to run from him and hide mm -hmm. from him. And, and, and so I, I kind of was like in the way I felt like, no, you're to you've totally missed it. On mm -hmm. the other hand... But on the other hand, it pricked my heart and then I didn't know what to do with it. It also seemed so real. And you know, when a God has given you a word, I, I really believe you'll sense this is God's word to you. Not just somebody tried to be a prophet, but you'll know God is speaking. And so that Sunday, he wanted me to come to the front of the church and anoint me and pray for me and everything was going to change, you know. But I wasn't ready. So he actually called yeah. me to the front of the church. And I says, listen, please don't pray for me now. I, I don't know if I'm ready. Because I was yeah. realizing there's going to be a cost involved. Mm. And in my heart, I I couldn't just simply say, yes, I want what you have. I want what God has for me. I So I went home and went back in my tractor and fall tillage and just just back on the farm and I was sitting there because I knew something had to change in our life. Mm -hmm. And yet I went through about three, two, three weeks, I would say um, almost in a daze on our farm, wondering what I walked away from, but yet right. not knowing if I was really ready to lay down my life to let God lead me. And uh, I finally realized I, I have no choice because if I don't lay down my life and let God lead me, I'm going to walk away from God and it won't be pretty and, it, and it'll be real. And I realized I might even lose my family. And, you know, like you just, life would shift. You wouldn't be able to just hold on. God wanted something more. He wanted to draw me in. So he came back into our town. And this time I was ready and he prayed for me. And uh, God really moved and touched us deeply. I would call it, we're driving on the highway and trying to think of all this. And not everything shifted, not everything changed. Like, But we had to change and get off on a different highway and start heading yeah. on a new direction. And that was about 12 years ago. And, and, and our lives, my family's life, it really did start leading in a different direction. I just love that so much. <laughs> I love how you were in this place where you were like, yeah, no, I think you got it wrong. I, I, if I really loved God, I would be living different. If I really loved God, I would be submitted to him. I wouldn't be trying to like, like hold him back and just like, okay, I'm just doing my thing and you do yours and we're, we're fine. <laughs> you know, but him saying that, like he called something out in you. It was, it was like almost like a, like a prophetic declaration, right? That he was speaking over you. Here's the man that loves God and something in you, like you said, you, you didn't want him to pray over you, but there was this shift in you that caused this discontent and this pondering. And now you have to make a choice. It's almost like there's been a line in the sand made and it's like, do I go for it or now do I abandon ship? And so I actually love this period of tension and uh, kind of like discord on the inside as, as you're trying to figure it out, because I, I think that is actually really important. It makes your next step um, well considered and honest, not just a sense of duty, not a not a, a, a spiritual act, so to speak, in I'm doing something religious and important. 
um, because God's called me, it's really weighing the cost. If I truly want to submit to what he has for me and, and in my life, there's going to be a cost. Do I really want to do this? And so that that process, I just love how you explained that, how it was for you and how you had to walk that out because it is just such an, it produces such an honest outcome. Hmm. I think I didn't even, re I didn't realize the significance of that in the moment. And I don't think we often do. Mm -hmm. But I look back now and I actually believe it was a genuine blessing of God because sometimes, and I, I think there is a time to respond immediately. I know that. And there is times when I have responded immediately in, in, in things. But there's mm -hmm. other times when I think if we actually take a little bit of a step back and realize if I step into this, things have to change. Yeah. And um, so it was one of those moments that I needed to ponder a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then he takes mission trips into Zambia. And then right away, he uh, said, you know, maybe I should consider coming with him on a missions trip into Zambia. When he takes people in, he likes them to sleep uh, in local huts, um, eat the local food. We kind of abandon all of our privileges here in North America. And where we go into village churches and uh, churches, you know, like, not the big, the big elaborate crusades or anything, but just local village churches and start going door to door and just walking into villages and just start sharing Jesus and praying for people. And so I realized, I guess I need to uh, take a step. And so I went on into Zambia for 21 days and uh, then he would try to get us to speak a little bit in the in those services you know, maybe for five minutes and share a testimony or share something. And uh, I was very overwhelmed. You know, it was a whole new experience, a whole new world. And when one time, it was very interesting in that trip. Uh, I had some ups and downs, you know, some days were amazing. Other days, it was like, why am I here? What are we doing? <laughs> and uh, so one time, we went into a, a town, Pimba in Zambia. We went in and there was a, a local, like a pool hall kind of bar type thing. And there, they don't really have glass on the windows and the door uh, was kind of open. And so I kind of walked in there just off the street, just to share to these guys that we're going to do um, some meetings. And they kind of said, let your white skin be seen in the town because, you know, we are different. Well, yeah. being prejudiced, just it's OK. We look different. So just embrace that. But right away, these guys that needed the Lord, needed a touch from God, they looked to me and they started um, giving they, they were amazed to see me. And so I allowed their, trying to think of the right word, but I allowed them to lift me up. And, and they were like, wow, we have a white man here. And so I let them build up, puff me up, you know? Right. And I realized I didn't give it to him. I didn't touch their lives in any way for the Lord. They were the ones building me up. And Anyways, that night he had give me try to share a five-minute testimony. And it felt like my words didn't even go past my feet. They just like <laughs> went and yeah. hit the ground. It was so so such a horrible experience. Yeah. And I didn't understand and I couldn't sleep that night. Like, Lord, what is going on? And he said, You know, you're there to touch them and to love them. And here you were trying to get accepted by people that needed the touch of God. That was a very important lesson. And uh I want to go back to that first trip, but a few years later, I was back in Zambia and around the same kind of guys standing on the street corner that aren't really doing a whole bunch and almost like the troublemakers of the of the village. And me and my younger son, he was quite young then. We went and stood amongst about 10 of them on the street. And all of a sudden, I started telling the one guy that he was kind of the troublemaker and the ringleader of the group. But if he would follow and turn his ways, that he could really have a, a, a positive impact. And I started just challenging them right on the street corner, realizing, again, I was really confronting my own fears and my own worries is what I was really doing, almost more than I was mm -hmm. ministering to them. Right. But we were there for a week that time. And by the end of the week, I started noticing almost all of those guys were coming in the back of the services. And I, and I just thought that was amazing to see them coming in to see what, who are these people? And, and the other thing, the main thing is just learning that God wants to give power and authority to, to the believers. Mm -hmm. And I think we can be too obsessed with power, but at the same time, God wants us to carry his power. Yeah, And so I remember one time in a village church, I don't even think the roof was even finished on it. And I think it was a dirt floor. 
and maybe a couple hundred people or whatever the number was. And there was a boy that came up to me for prayer and, and uh, language barriers. I couldn't really understand what the problem was. And as I reached out to touch him, he ran out of the back of the church. And wow. this was my first trip into Zambia. So <laughs> I had no grid. I didn't know what was happening. So I, I still, who knows if I would know today or not, you know, if that happened. Yeah. So because I wasn't leading it, I was just one, I was a member of a larger team. So I ran off to find out why he left like that. And I found the boy, a teenager. I had somebody there. Some of the local people can speak English a little bit. And I had somebody help me. And he was saying that he could never run on his feet before. And God healed his feet. And he was running on his new feet. Oh, I had word. no idea that that's what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. And so I experienced some things like that. I experienced some difficulties where, you know, we're praying for people and nothing happened. And sometimes we had this great expectation and it really was challenging when, you know, you see a crippled person and, you know, we've, I've seen so much over the years, but sometimes you, you don't see something and, and God is just kind of working through it, you know, and, and, and I guess, you know, I think it does so much when we really believe and then we don't see it. And, you know, mm -hmm. we come with this great faith and expectancy and uh, what's going on. And I know I've had so I've seen God do so many things over the years. And uh, so I realized so I was a carpenter. I'll just go back. You know, in my working days, I was a carpenter, a licensed carpenter, actually, and a farmer and just somebody, you know, as a worker, we don't just a hands worker. So I really felt that God was saying, sure. I saw missionaries built schools or orphanages. They, they built things. That's what I thought missionaries do. And, and some do, and that's okay and that's needed. But I started realizing, and I started getting a little, that he actually wanted me to build not with physical mortars and bricks, but just building with the word and, and, mm. and just building by speaking. And I never expected that at all. That was a whole new curveball for me. I, I didn't see that coming, actually. I, I really thought I would come over and help build. And... Uh, and so then right away, uh, the next year, I think it was the next year in the fall, the same minister invited me to go with him to India as he also went to India some. And that brought a challenge to my family. So that is where my wife's journey became very difficult. Okay. Because she said, you know, I married someone. She wanted me to be at home. Mm -hmm. You know, she didn't want me leaving. She wanted me to be at home. And, and that was very dear to her. And so she thought I went off on this trip. I kind of like got that out of my system. God taught, you know, did some things. And now, now our life will be different at home, but just I'll, I'll stay at home. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're a woman, I'm sure many people can understand. Many women can relate. I'm sure. <laughs> and yet I knew God was calling me and I'm just like, and yet when I said it to my wife, she became, oh, it was very troubling. And mm -hmm. I knew I couldn't push it. Yeah. And I just like, God, what do I do? Mm. And I just all of a sudden felt like God was taking me on a journey. And then all of a sudden, but I, I don't think he wants to destroy our families. He's not trying to destroy our families in the process. And uh, a little bit into time, there was some time that went by. And then the Lord one night just came and spoke to my wife in a way I could never do. I couldn't make her see it, you know. Mm -hmm. And God just spoke to her. And all of a sudden, it's not that it became easy. But all of a sudden, if God wouldn't have spoke to her in a way that was genuine for her and realized that he would look after her and look after me and he actually had this as a plan for us. But I needed to wait that out until God really spoke that to her. So it allowed us to go forward. And so, yeah, I've been to India 10 times over the years and I've been to Africa. I kind of have lost track into Zambia and Kenya and Malawi and South Africa and I've been, I just incredible opportunities to be able to go in different places mm -hmm. and also one time only in south america at least in missions in preaching was in peru and uh i'll never forget peru and i hope to go back one day but just such a different diversity i guess i also preached in poland i went and in poland i preached over in poland and that was very different again in poland it almost was like going into our ancestral my grandfather came from sweden so it wasn't yeah. Sweden, but it was getting closer to my homeland. And yeah. it really marked me a little bit going. So just those kind of things and just seeing God 
be faithful, I would say, anywhere in the world. I would say growing up, sometimes we would hear that God was a God of miracles in third world countries. And I really want to say that I've seen God be faithful in our nation in Canada. I've seen mm-hmm. him being faithful in Poland, which we wouldn't consider a third world. Like it's a European country, yeah. you know, in, in in Peru. And and I actually find it almost a challenge to God when someone says, you know, don't really expect those things in our church or right. in our country because we those things don't happen here. And I always smile because I know that God is going to shift it. And so, yeah, I don't think it matters where we are in the world. I want to really emphasize that today because so often we have this idea that Mm -hmm. there's miracles that happen abroad and yet God is foreign. In our country, we just have to go to the doctor and stick it out the traditional way. And and I really don't. I think that that, that's our own mindset that has to be shifted because Mm -hmm. God isn't different anywhere in the world. No, he's not. I love that you bring that up because I've often thought about that as well. And I think too, because we have certain solutions available to us, right? I remember when I was in Bible college and I have really poor eyesight. So without my glasses or my contacts, I literally can't see my hand in front of my face. But, you know, we go to the optometrist, we get our our glasses or our contact lenses and we can see. But I remember asking um, the dean of the college then we were we were traveling to go minister at a church with the team and I, I was near the dean and I said to him, I I need to ask you a question because you know we're we're praying and for like healing for different things. We we preach it that God heals. But I said, why why don't we pray for people's eyesight? Is it just because there's glasses available and we don't have to? Like and then I thought, you know what? It, it's like one disaster, one crash of the economy away and my glasses get broke. I'm I'm literally blind. Well, Is it then that I'll reach out and say, God, I believe that you can heal my eyes? You know, and so our because I think we have a culture where so much is available to us, we don't even think to ask God about our needs and like our physical needs, our, our financial needs and stuff before trying to find a solution outside of him. And I um, I believe God wants to do those miracles. And I, I also believe that we're coming into a time where we're going to need him to do those miracles. So it's very interesting that you bring that up. It's something that I've, I've pondered for a very long time. <laughs> and I'm like, why why don't we see it? Is it our mindset? Is it what we're, are, are we shutting this down because of our lack of faith and this idea that we have um, it just doesn't happen here. So those are questions that I've had for myself. Like, obviously, I believe God heals. But like my son went to Egypt with YWAM here um, last fall. And he got to pray for people and see people healed. And I'm like, there's people right outside our door. There's people in our system that can't get in for surgeries. There's like, I want to see the move of God here. I want to see, I myself want to be stirred up. I, I want to have the faith to step out there and say, you know what? I know a God who heals and, and to be confident in that. But, um, but if I'm being honest, I actually struggle in this mindset. I feel like for myself, if I were to go to a more impoverished country, I feel like I would believe that God would do something, but here I know it, but do I believe it? So that's, that's an interesting thing about our, where we're at in society too, I think. I think one thing, you know, when God spoke to Abraham and he says, I want you to lead your family and your country mm-hmm. and to bring you into a land that I will show you. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we always have to physically leave our country in a sense, but I think sometimes we have to leave our, our uh, personal um, securities mm-hmm. and, uh, for me, God definitely had me on a journey that I left the country many times. But um, I don't know that everyone is called to end up in those places. It's amazing if you can. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes breaking your um, your your routine yeah. and uh, sometimes maybe meeting up with some different people or, you know, just in so many ways, we can shift our routine a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that it can open our hearts up to maybe see things in a new way mm-hmm. and uh, just to kind of leave our natural securities. Yeah. And 
I, I do. I, I embrace the, the, the medical field. My daughter's a nurse, so, and, and I respect the care they give. I, I you know, and, I, and it's needed. And in third world nations, I've been in the hospitals and I've prayed for people in those settings. And we've seen some incredible miracles, but I've yeah. also just seen the luxury that we have in our systems as well. But I think as we somehow get ourselves out of what we're naturally, our natural surrounding bubble, and uh, just a little bit even, sometimes to poke ourselves out of that bubble a little bit, I think it's amazing how it can open us up to start to believe God and just to believe things in a fresh way. Yeah. If I could say, you know, sometimes on, on this topic, there's many different ministers that have been out there, and, and I'm not trying to speak against any minister at all, but so sometimes a minister will say, I have faith for healing, and if you don't get healed, they immediately put the blame on the person. Mm. And, I, and I've seen that happen and says, well, you obviously, you don't have faith, and that and that's why uh, you're not healed. And there's a place for personal faith on our part. I understand that. But I think it's so dangerous to people have come to us. We preached about faith. We preached about healing. And then someone comes to me and then I turn around and say, oh, you don't have any faith. I, I just, mm. to me, that's a barrier I don't want to cross. I yeah. understand that, but I I want to be very careful on that front. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, oh. Because people are broken. When you're when you're sick, when you're broken, when you're crippled, when you're blind, when you're deaf, and you're struggling, they they just need someone that can believe and help believe for them. Because sometimes in that moment we can't have faith for ourselves. So yeah, that's been a journey. Um, I still continue to travel abroad, and that seems to be growing. Um, sometimes navigating where to go and where to keep going forward, but. I kind of get overwhelmed on some of the, the sizes and the events that we've seen. But I also have a heart for our nation because I think uh, God really still cares about our nation. And mm -hmm. I've asked the Lord, how how can I have a part in, in our nation of Canada? And what would that look like here? So then is this where, where, where we start to hear about what you're doing now on your farm and how that came to be, your, your meetings there? Like, how did, how did that start happening? What, what kind of made birth that into existence? So there's a couple of things. And, you know, the very first time I went on to that trip to Zambia, my wife was given the movie to watch, Faith Like Potatoes. Right. And uh, it features Angus Buchan. And I'm at the moment, my wife told me I need to watch this movie. And actually, I just thought it was... Uh, kind of a religious program, if I could use that term. And yeah. I was like, man, I'm seeing people get healed. I'm not interested in watching that. And she said, no, no, this is good. You would like this. Yeah. So she made me watch it when I got home. And I watched Faith Like Potatoes. And it so impacted my heart. And so that was part of it, a little bit of it. Then I was in India one time. There was five, 600 people we had rented a, a hall and a lot of young people and we were praying and they were coming by me. They're coming by anyways, as I was touching them, they, they were just getting touched by God in a way that I had never seen before. And to be honest, it, it was still like a, it was an incredible moment. I would reach out to touch someone and they, and they would just, they would just fall. And I'm not saying everyone has to fall all the time. It was just one of those services that was just so incredible that way. And they started carrying all these people out and they filled up a whole side room of people laid down, <laughs> laid out. Like <laughs> there was these ushers, there was like 20 of them carrying people just as fast as they could. They were just out. I just was like, God, what is this? Mm -hmm. And you know what I started to say every time is I said, what about Canada? And that was like, mm -hmm. that's what I would say. What about Canada, God? What about here? I went to New York. Not in the city, but in the state of New York. And I, when I was there, there was a pro prophetic conference. And all of a sudden, there was a different South African uh, minister or prophet that was there. So I've had a lot of South Africans that have uh, been involved in my life. And all of a sudden, he called me out and he gave me this word. And it felt like it brought clarity to me like I've never had before. And it allowed me 
to be able to actually start into doing something. And so he, he called me out and he, and he said, he said a lot of things that, that service, but the one thing he, that I'll share with you is he said, you'll arrange and prepare a prayer gathering on your farm and on your property. And uh, he kind of said that it was going to grow into one of the largest Canada's ever seen, which is still mind-boggling and just trying to understand. Mm-hmm. And I did, in my heart, I'm thinking, uh, God, do you know where I live? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I live... Not in a metropolis. <laughs> yeah, I live three hours north of Grand Prairie. Yeah. So it was five, six hours north of Edmonton. Yeah. I realized that was a genuine invitation of God. And he said, you've been anointed to do this because actually a year prior, we actually met Angus Buckton as a family on his farm. And he blessed us. He prayed over us. He encouraged us. It was a very impacting moment. And then I was given this word uh, a few months or a year later. And I really knew that God was telling us. And he said, if you don't do it, he will call someone else to do it because it's needed. And there is other great events happening in our country. I know there is. There's many great events happening. But I needed something that God had called us to start to do. And we've seen it grow every year. And, you know, to be honest, I thought the first year we would have, you know, seen a thousand the first summer. Because I was really believing this word. And it's grown maybe in some way slower than I was expecting. But on the other hand, we've seen it grow every year. We've seen God be faithful. And it seems like this year it's ready to, it just seems like there is a growth again this year. And so mm-hmm. that's in August, the 3rd to the 6th. And if you're wondering the event, it's called It Is Time. And Angus Bakken, he's actually doing events in South Africa called It's Time. Okay. And I didn't know that he was using that title. And all of a sudden I was driving in India. It seems like God often speaks driving in a car and traveling in these twisty roads. And he said, you will call the event, it's time. And all of a sudden later, I realized that's what Angus is calling his events. So that's why we call it, mm. it is time. Um, because of, you know, that's the title Angus uses. Yeah. So it is time, Canada.com, August 3 to the 6th. And uh, there's room for counting, tenting. We turned my dad's farm kitchen, farm shop, I mean, that we used to fix combines in. Now we have it as a kitchen. So we've got all the industrial kitchen equipment. So we provide, we cook food for the whole crowd. So we're kind of planning for seven, eight hundred. Maybe we'll hit a thousand. We're not sure. You know, we don't really quite know where, but that's kind of what our expectancy is this summer in August. And we don't know. And maybe it'll even surprise us. I don't know. But even that number is mind boggling (laughs) to us. It just, it blows my mind to see how many people have driven from Edmonton area, Fort St. John. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even had people from Quebec and Ontario show up. Um, I think we're going to see quite a few people from Saskatchewan. There's people from Medicine Hat that are planning on coming. You know, Grand Prairie, of course, and even my local community. So my local community, though, they kind of struggle to know what to do with me because <laughs> yes. uh, they still see me as the farmer. And I'm still a farmer. I still drive my tractor. I still, yeah, you know, I still... And it's kind of strange. I think it'd be strange for the local community to wonder what to do with what we're doing. Right. But um, I pray that it does affect that my local community also starts to uh, come and be a part of it. Uh, we really, that's really our prayer. Yeah. Well, Chris, wasn't there another famous man in history that had that same issue with his local community? <laughs> Isn't this just the man from Nazareth? <laughs> We are talking about it is time and it's time. And literally, I'm just, uh, while you were talking about that, just goosebumps from the top of my head all the way down. I just just feel um, something so prophetic on that and that declaration, it's time. And there's so many um, prophetic words now. You know, we've like, in, in pregnancy, God's got these things, you know, that have been growing in fruition. And, and, and now it's, it's time. There's so many words now. It's time. The water is broken. Um, it's time for this to be revealed. It's time. And so I don't know what that looks like exactly in the natural, but um, something in my spirit, it just gets so moved with that statement. And I, I declare it as well without fully understanding what that's going to look like, but it's time. And um, that is just, it's just powerful. 
when the decree from heaven comes down like that and 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 the holy spirit is speaking and not just not just here but you know over in south africa and in other places uh across north america and around the world we're hearing it's time and so it, it's almost like um like i hear the the trumpets of heaven blowing and declaring it's go time it's go time it's right. here and so um, I'm just so excited as you're sharing, Chris, and just believing with you for for this ripple and this move of God moving out from what you're doing and for him to bring the people that need to be there. And, you know, the people that come and then they take what what God's doing there and they they carry that with them. Right. So this this is Canada, man. This is from Canada to the nations of the world. It's so exciting. So, Chris, you were talking about, um, before we started recording this episode, um, about a word on your heart about our, our process when we receive a word from the Lord about what he has for us. Would you share that with us? Yeah, I would, I would love to. Sometimes when we've been given these uh, prophetic words, and mm -hmm. uh, so, like some words could only be God, and we all we can do is, is kind of wait, but I think met the majority of the time like much of the time a prophetic word is more of an invitation from mm -hmm. god to do something with him and uh then we have to take the initiative then and, and just start mm -hmm. and, and i believe god will take us on a journey and he will help us and he will you know guide us along the way especially if we you know we really know that it was a god word and um you know, you know when God is speaking. Sometimes people, we can have lists, and some people are good at having journals of every word they've ever been given, and they can have books of words written down, and sometimes see very little um, come to pass. I guess my encouragement is, a lot of the time, we have to take the initiative, mm -hmm. and you know, in Psalms one, it talks about the blessed man. You know, who lives not at the counsel of the ungodly, but but uh, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And I always preach that I believe the law of the Lord today is Jesus. Like he came mm. to fulfill the law. When our delight is in Jesus, it said we'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. And mm. the, But then it says, and whatever he does shall prosper. Right. And, and I think sometimes we miss that part that we want to just prosper. We want things to prosper just by um just continuing life the same way but uh i think we have to do things we have to enter in mm -hmm. we're called to work as as you know as a farmer my harvest doesn't come in without farmers putting in long hours most of the time to get the crop in mm -hmm. and you know going abroad sometimes i have to work harder there than i ever do even at home but it's whatever we do shall prosper mm. and so even our event, it is time. My poor wife puts in so much work. She, the details that I think we just want to have a great anointing in the in the <laughs> ministry tent. But my wife's desire is the food is right mm -hmm. and the toilets are clean <laughs> and there's enough shower. We we have showers. We built showers for everyone. And, yes. and so her desire is that all the little details when you come. You can actually feel that you can enjoy yourself and, and you don't feel dirty and you don't feel like you, you know, you don't get to eat nice food. And so I think, yeah, my, my, what I could encourage is God's designed us to be workers and he'll guide us along the way, but he doesn't do for us what he's called us to do. Yeah. And, and I think many times we miss out on great purposes for our life. Because we're just waiting for it to uh, somehow magically fall upon us instead of entering in the pursuit of the work mm -hmm. of what it might look like and to see it come to pass. Um, I'm thinking about this, Chris, in the context of uh, the name of your event, It Is Time. And, you know, like you said, that we get this word sometimes and oftentimes, probably most of the time, there's something required of us in order for this to come to fruition. When, when God says it, when he says you get this prophetic word, like you um, had a prophetic word that you shared that you're going to be a missionary. 
or that you're going to have these tent meetings, these prayer gatherings on your farm. You didn't just sit around and wait for that to happen. There was, there was things that opened up for you that you stepped into and you had to do in this, in the sense of there's this responsibility on us to not just sit almost with the passive, almost victim mentality. Well, when it happens, it happens. If God really wants it to happen, you know, and we start to get this, this attitude with it, it's time to put some action. It's time to take some steps. It's time to start to steward those things that God has put in your heart, right? The Lord opens the doors when the timing is right. So along the lines of that word that you had, that you were sharing, sometimes there's something we need to do. We need to take responsibility for the prophetic words that the Lord has that's been spoken over our life. And even the things that the Lord speaks to our hearts, like sometimes, you know, like you as a child, you had something planted in your heart by the Lord and you had this sense. And so uh, to not just idly go through life and expect things to just fall into your lap and doors are just going to miraculously open. It just seems like such a simple revelation, but sometimes I think it's the most profound, the simple things that the Lord just shines new light on. But in pondering our purpose and how how do we walk that out? What does it look like? I think we can make it really complicated sometimes. And as a society, we like to, you know, we like to navel gaze, you know, we're going to look deep within, find out who we are, what is our purpose? And, you know, we do personality test after personality test and try and figure it all out. And not that some of that isn't, isn't good, but ultimately I've had this revelation of walking out your purpose with the Lord is not as complicated as we make it. So if we have relationship with the Lord, it's about being obedient to this step and then the next step and then the next step. If we're, if we're in relationship and he's speaking and then we're doing, you know, it's not just a, it's not being idle. It's the Lord has asked me to do this today. The Lord has asked me to do this tomorrow. And, you know, sometimes we see farther ahead and sometimes we don't, but to trust him, you know, as he makes a, that light for our path to make our path uh, clear ahead of us. We take that step in faith. We take that step in faith. We're walking in obedience to the Lord. We're going to be walking in the purpose that he has for us, but there's a doing. We have to act in obedience. We have to step out. We have to do what the Lord's put on our heart to do. Yeah. I think so often we, we do shrink back. I don't know if it's out of lack of faith, if it's maybe insecurity and fear, like you had said too. Um, you know, I thought I'd have to go to formal Bible college and and this is not my strong point, like being academic and spelling and writing essays and public speaking and all of that. But the Lord is take, has been taking you step by step. And then you found yourself speaking in front of people. And, you know, and, and um, he's grown you and used you, but you had to step out and do. You couldn't, you couldn't just sit. Even, even if I could say um, praying for the sick. Even sometimes, even giving prophetic words to people, often in a meeting, if I, if I really feel that, you know, where it's just so valuable that somebody needs a word, and usually I'll get somebody to stand up, and I have no idea what I'm going to say. And <laughs> I probably look a little silly, but I'll say, you know, I usually tell the person, often I says, you know, at the moment, I got no idea what I'm going to say. Yeah. But trusting God that he wants to share something. Yeah. And then start speaking and I don't feel privileged to have a big picture like an audible voice or yeah. you know different people hear God differently yeah and that would be what I would say is if we teach how God we hear God individually everybody will try to copy me mm. the challenge lies is God's probably going to speak to them differently than mm. he speaks to me or speaks to you and I think we can hear how God speaks to different people, but ultimately we have to learn how God speaks to us individually and just starting to learn to, to know the voice of God. Mm -hmm. Because if you just try to hear God's voice the way I hear God's voice, you'll struggle and you'll feel like God isn't speaking to you and all kinds of things. Yeah. But I, and I think, that's why I really don't like to tell people too much sometimes, in a way, how God speaks to me, because they, we all have to find out how God speaks to us individually. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but he does. Um, we have to step out. You know, hearing your story and, and you're, you're walking out of into what God has for you and what you guys are now doing, 
And, um, but in, in lines of what we've been talking about today, I'm wondering, Chris, if you would, if you have anything final you wanted to say, and if you would be comfortable just to pray for our listeners, uh, some that may be potentially on a similar road to what you've walked um, in, you know, God's got something for them, but they're not really sure if they're ready to submit to that. And then, um, so however you feel led with that, but I, I know we have listeners today and, and along the topic of it is time, it's time for people to start stepping into their destiny. It's time. The world needs this. Our country needs this. Like God has things that he wants to release now and how tragic it would be to miss out on being able to play our part in that because we held back. Um, so I'll just I'll just leave that with you if there's something you would like to to share in closing. Um, and then if we could just wrap up with prayer. Yeah. Okay. You know, this year I felt like God had a, wanted us to have a theme. And uh, maybe I was kind of unaware. It seemed like with what everybody is speaking right now. But I really felt like the theme for this year is rise up. It is time mm. to rise up. Rise up in our faith. Rise up in our beliefs. Just rise up as as believers. And uh, when I started looking in the scripture, Isaiah 60 came up very obvious. And uh, I, I realized a lot of people are talking about Isaiah 60 right now. Mm-hmm. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. But then it says deep darkness has covered the earth and deep darkness the people. But then mm-hmm. it says, but I will arise and shine upon you. And so I think we're in a season of, of contrast. Mm-hmm. And there is darkness in the earth, but there is also God is calling us to rise above that. And despite the darkness, despite the, the, the deep challenges around us, to allow our lives to shine for the Lord and not get consumed by the darkness, but, but get consumed with the love, the life of God, his spirit. So, yeah, this year um, it is time. Uh, that, that is our theme is Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2. And I rise just to rise up, just to really mm-hmm. rise up as believers. Yeah. And so if you're watching here and you hear my story and you know God has called you into something, um, and I think a lot of people, there is something deep within your heart that you know <clears throat> you've been really created for, you're a genuine purpose. I don't think I'm the only one that's been given a word like that. And uh, I would just encourage you to start trying, knocking on that door. You know, when we first bought our tent, it was seated. Uh, the The seating capacity is rated at a thousand people. We've extended it one more, so it's a little bit bigger than that now. But um, still, to get a thousand in there, you wouldn't hardly have a stage. It'd be very hard to get a thousand. But still, that was the seating capacity, and it was a big step of faith to actually order that and just and to bring it in. But we, ha- I had to do something with that word and actually physically to start off and. We never had it all together and we still don't, you know, there's a lot of areas that we didn't know how we were going to do it. I think people had grace for us the first couple of years just to try. And so I would say in your, in your life, you know, if you're watching and just to start, I realized I could buy a tent and if no one came, I, you know, we would be out some money, but we could kind of afford it. It would, it would kind of be a, a hard spot for us, but. It wouldn't be the end of the world if we tried and nothing happened. And then I would, I could say, Lord, what was I supposed to do? I had to try. What, what do we do? And, but I think sometimes nobody was just going to buy that tent for us as, as such. Sometimes we only have to do a small thing to start going forward into an area that we believe God has called us into. And all of a sudden, it can open the door to things. So yeah, I guess my my encouragement as we were talking about this is that God is looking for us to believe. And in faith, faith is an action. And so Mm -hmm. if we really believe God has spoken to us and calling us into something, I think he's looking for some action on our part that I think it shows God or it shows ourselves. It shows other people that we really believe in this. Mm -hmm. And if you really believe in something, it kind of, forces you to take action you i don't know how you can believe in something and not move towards it i think that's what belief is so uh, i would encourage you whatever it is that god's calling you into just start taking action Mm -hmm. and we can't try to fulfill the whole picture we have in our minds 
sometimes it is the smallest step, but it's some kind of action that starts the process of our lives. It's kind of like knocking on a door. And as we start to knock, maybe we knock on a few spots towards that avenue that we see God calling us into. And all of a sudden we realize there's a door that opens and uh, all of the, we just start able to function in, in that purpose of our lives. You know, I would love to pray for you guys. And um, I really believe that, especially when we've encountered something and God is walking in something in our lives, it kind of gives us a gives us authority in that area as we pray for others. And so, um, especially if there's an area of your life that you've really dreamt and longed that God would use you in, and he might be actually just waiting for you to open the door and go forward. And so, Lord, I just pray for, for everyone that watches this, Lord. I just pray, God, and I ask you, Father, that you would help me as well, but you would help each person to start opening the doors of their purpose, of their destiny, of their calling that you have, Lord God, for, for each person. And that sometimes we've waited, God, for you to open the doors for us. But really, you're waiting for us to uh, start to open the door, to start to venture into a, uh, a walk of faith. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help people start to take action towards the avenues in their lives that you've called them. Even if it's a small step, but that you would help them with whatever means if they don't have money maybe it's a it's not a money issue maybe it's just a physical way of looking at things a physical way of talking um just a different mindset that you would start to shift people to help them to start to enter into the callings that you have and lord we wouldn't just be a people that have great prophetic words or great callings but we would be a people that are um entering into the plan and the partnership of heaven, the partnership of you, God, with our life so that we can make an impact um, on this earth and the people around us. And uh, you would allow us to live a fulfilled life, seeing your purposes um, come through as we live. So, Lord, may you bless the people. Lord, may even, we talked about healing a bunch on this meeting. Lord, I even pray for physical healing for people. You know, people that have watched this and and, and hips and, and back pains and migraines and just even anxieties that seem to be so prevalent today, there would be a calming of anxieties and just a peace of God would come upon people that they could enter into a partnership with you, Lord, and see your hand walking with them. Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Uh, amen. Amen. Wow. Chris, thank you so much for taking your time. I know this is probably a really busy time as you're preparing for your event, um, but thank you for graciously giving of your time today and sharing some of your story and your journey. And I just pray blessing over you and your family um, and protection over you and your family as you continue to step out and do um, what God has put in your heart to do. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Made on Purpose. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to follow, subscribe, and share so that we can share this story with others. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.